Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Millennial Disruptor. In this episode, we chat to become accounting graduate Masonwabe Chobonga. Masonwabe is currently the founder and managing director of Vugasaka Capital, a consulting and management firm. He's also the deputy director of AJWOG, a teaching and training institute. He's also the co-founder and partner of GOGI Farms, an agricultural cooperative in KwaZulu-Natal. And last but not least, he's the co-founder and chief financial officer of Gamers for Gamers, a competitive gaming tournament. After that mouthful of an introduction, I think I need to catch my breath. <laughs> so let's get to know a bit about our guest, right? Um, my first question is, Masonwabe, um, when you were growing up, um, what influence would you say your personal upbringing had in your desire to pursue your journey into entrepreneurship? Um, okay. Uh, first of all, hi everyone. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, well, I, I'm originally from Epizan, which is a very rural area in Eastern Cape. Um, it's like a small town, actually. It's like a mix of old and new. Mm. So when I was young, I was exposed to that. I was exposed to growing up in a, in a very rural, uh, homey, everyone knows each other kind of environment. Sure. And then when I was seven years old, um, I got a chance to go to uh, a school where I was exposed to other people from other races, from, uh, let's just say, a more affluent env- environment. Um, so that's where, for the first time, I saw a white kid sitting next to me, mm. um, which was also the first time I've ever seen a white person in my life. Wow. So it, it gave me a perspective of um, different cultures and different people. And I got a chance to move around a lot. So when I was young, uh, I got to experience a lot, which opened up my perspective on things. And I think it played a huge role in the way I grew up, the way I look at things. Because now I get to have um, a more different perspective. I like to look at things from a different perspective every time I go into any situation. Whether Mm. I'm dealing with education or I'm dealing with my work. I like different people's opinions. I love yeah. I love different perspectives so I can be able to understand things holistically. Yeah, I think that's the biggest influence my childhood had. Wow, wow. Talk about a culture shock. So yeah. then what... <laughs> and so then what, what made you want to move um, to, to, to create a self-sustaining life for yourself? Um, in, 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 and, and you thought entrepreneurship was the way in which to go? Um, to be honest with you, I think that was my dad. Sure. Okay. My dad, my dad started his business in 2000. Mm. He started a construction business before construction was construction, you know, when it was still rough. Yo. Um, so he started that out of need more than passion because mm. he, he, he needed a job, but he didn't want to go back to selling a life insurance. And I was mm. five at the time. So what he did was he started his own business. He bought a van. And every day, uh, before I went to primary school, uh, every day my dad and I would go and we, I'd go with him, like to go apply for work, um, to go to his on-site meetings. I, I, I got to experience entrepreneurship from a very young age and watch my dad build. Wow. So the more he built, 
the more I got exposed to it and the more I fell in love. It just came naturally to me because I realized the power of being able to create value, not just in yourself, but in your network can, can give you a freedom that's not the same as getting a job because a job gives you stability. It gives you a certain level of security, but it also can make you very complacent and very reliable on someone else. So I seeing that my dad comes from insurance, which was very stable until some, some days someone said, I don't see you as valuable anymore. I'm taking away your job. Mm. And then seeing him create value around himself where he can pay himself and people around him. It, I just fell in love with that security. And I was like, I prefer that. I prefer that. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's it. So for me to go to become an entrepreneur, as soon as I was done studying, it was something that I always knew since mm. I was like 12. I knew mm. that I'm going to start my own thing. I just didn't know how. Because the okay. reason I studied accounting, mm. it wasn't because I loved accounting. <laughs> I was good at accounting. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to learn how finances work because the way you manage money yeah. is like the blood of the company. Mm. How you how you let it flow from one leg to the next, you know. Mm. Um, so when I studied accounting, I was learning the skill of um, managing money, so that when I do start my own company, I I know what the numbers mean. Um, so sure. yeah, I think that's it. That's it, my dad. That's it, my dad. I see. Wow, that's that's amazing. And then you, you, I totally get you. And I share the same sentiments, like especially right now in this time and period that we're living in right now, it's, I mean, if you don't have an emergency savings fund, you're just like, oh crap, you know, you probably got the hunch quite a while back and, and now it's coming to like bite you. And it's like, it's so important to have that cushion of savings, um, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of people didn't do that simply because if you have a salary, you always expect to get paid, right? Yeah. And if you're doing your job the most securely, you're like, mm. I have no reason to worry. Oh, so my gosh. A lot of a lot of problems that people are going through is just simply because of bad habits. Sure. It's not because they're not smart. They didn't want to save. Mm-hmm. It's just that when they had an opportunity to save, they chose not to um, because they assumed that things are always going to be okay. And I like to always think of the worst case scenario. Yeah. I think I have a real, real legit fear of not having. Oh. Because I've experienced yeah. not having. It was that that thing. It it it, it scars you a little bit. Mm. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. When when you when you when you open the fridge and there's like two bottles of water and nothing else, it it really it really makes you appreciate when you have uh, food and you have shelter. You know the bare necessities so I, I i think that having a savings account a backup savings account for times like these is very crucial and hopefully will get people motivated to start saving and investing mm. their money after the school crisis absolutely um so for the interest of time I want to speak about a very interesting question. I'm sure when you read it, you were like, oh, snap. But um, what? how do you think... Okay, let's rephrase the question. Do you think money is important in a relationship? Like for two people to come together and to Jola. Is it important that they have money in this day and time? I... I, I... 
I cannot express this like more than I can besides saying yes. Yes, yes. guys. Yeah. In a partnership, which I'm going to refer to relationships as a partnership. Yes. I'm not trying to take out the romance. It's, yes. it's love. I, I respect that. But in a partnership, when two people come together out of an agreement, what whichever it might be, mm-hmm. um, it's very important to have a very open and honest conversation. Mm. I'm not saying on the first date. <laughs> on the first date, that's a little too heavy to like, yo, how much you got in the bank? Whoa! What's your credit score? Slow down. <laughs> but, but I think um, it's very important for people to understand that money is a part of life. Mm. The same way you want to know about someone's religion, the same mm. way you want to know about someone's belief and morals and family background so that you can know them holistically. You must also learn and know the money habits yeah, but... because if you're trying to build together, mm. it's very important to be able who, what your co-builder has, mm. like what skills they have. Mm. Maybe they have bad habits. They like shopping uh, all the time or they like to be, you know, <laughs> or they like, they like, you know, um, they like taking trips uh, once a year. Yeah, but, so you need to know the things they spend money on yeah. so that you can be able to balance each other out. Because we can't both be ballers. You know, <laughs> someone has to be able to call someone in and say, hey, you know, hey, um, let's slow down. And most people think it's the woman, but that's not true. Most times it's the, it's the man who, who, who spends money in mm. stupid ways. Like I'm talking about stupid way. He'll buy toys and be like, babe, our investment account is low. And he's like, listen, I need this PlayStation. I need Dude. <laughs> And you're like, you know, so the way a person handles money in a household will lay the foundation also for the kids, lay the foundation for the culture of money in a household. So I think it's very important. Absolutely. It's very important. Absolutely. Um, I remember uh, you just, you know, took the words right out of my mouth and I totally agree with the the sentiments that you've just shared. Um, I remember like there was a time during my honors year final year I was just like um I'm not going to get into a relationship because the way my finances are set up like bro (laughs) (laughs) I can't be I'm a person who loves to spoil the person that that I'm in a relationship with and it's very important that you keep your guys keep yourselves entertained so I was like how am I going to be able to do that if I don't have you know money um, and, and I can't, I don't like relying on other people. Now That's he must fork out the bill every single time. No, sometimes you literally want to um, take care of things. And also when, you know, your, your significant partner um, needs help. Sometimes you want to help financially, but you can't. And obviously yeah. that kind of just shoots you down. Not your ego, but it hurts you. The fact that, you know, your person is suffering and here you are, you can't really help financially all you got is like Aish, i hope things get better you know it's like yeah you know, and I'll, i i want to share something also from my perspective mm. um a lot of a lot of my own relationships in the past um when when i first got some income and i was like a teenager like 19 sure 18, um because i was very irresponsible um i i felt the power of having the money in the relationship Mm. So when you have money in the relationship, there's a power dynamic mm. that people take for granted, but you need to be very aware of it because 
that relationship isn't healthy. Mm. When someone has the power simply because they can do more things, mm. um, it, it's a very toxic environment. Ooh. But usually, if both people are contributing something, mm. therefore one person doesn't need the other person to have a good time or to enjoy themselves mm. or to go out. Mm. Uh, when both people are equal, as, yes. as, as the sentiment is, because we don't have to give the same amount, but we can give something. Yeah. So that creates a very healthy relationship. Because the relationships I've had where both of us are having some income have been way better than relationships where I'm the only person or she's the only person. Mm. Um, it's, it's a very it's a very conducive environment where now we see each other as people who help each other go to a goal. Mm. Um, and I think most relationships in South Africa would do a lot better if it was both dynamics. We wouldn't have the situation where people are dating simply because of the financial situation. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of people around. Yeah. And, you know, of course, that's why, we're, that's where all, most of the abuse, some of the abuse comes from, where there's yeah, that um, unequal money dynamic. Um, so, yeah. So, we've settled that, that money is important in a relationship. I got <laughs> it. <laughs> it is. It just is. It just is. Yes. So, next question. Um... On the 14th of April, 2020, we heard the South African Reserve Bank cut the repo rate down by 100 basis points. Um, But first of all, I want us to speak about, because there are viewers who don't have a financial background, don't have an economic or accounting background, and would like to know, like, what was happening? People were posting, you know, statuses, but, you know, what's really going on, guys? So I'm just going to take this moment right now, guys, to just simply um, explain briefly what interest rates are. Um, and I must say that the repo rates is, is, is also an interest rate and it works quite the same way as any normal interest rate. So quite simply put, interest rates are a cost of borrowing money. So think of money as an asset. Money can be seen as a productive asset and this is why. So... In this example, I'll substitute money for a bucky. Ne? So let's say I owned a bucky. Um, if I owned a bucky, if I owned a bucky, ooh, I can use it to drive myself around. I could go to work and back. But now let's say my sibling wanted to move her new couch from home, from her shop, from the shop to a new house. Now, I would not normally charge her to use the minivan but I'd ask her to put more petrol in it. But if my neighbor had to ask me the same thing, I would charge him a fee because, don't know, we are not related. <laughs> um, tight like that. Yeah. So money is exactly the same. In this case, money is like the, mini, the minivan or the bucky. So if I have a lot of money and somebody wanted to use some of it, I would charge them a fee to let them use it. Now, this fee is known as interest it is the fee you pay for using the money i have now quickly what are repo rates um commercial banks can borrow money from the central bank at the repo rate in other words that interest rate that the banks the central banks charge to commercial banks now commercial banks then put a profit margin on that money and lend that money to us the customers more specifically you and i 
So the interest rate you pay has two components, the bit you pay to your bank and the bit that goes to the central banks. Banks will lend out money normally at a variable interest rate. This means they can change the interest rates based on certain factors. So when the central bank changes the repo rate, the interest rates you pay changes. This means that your bank profit margin, your bank's profit margin remains the same, but the interest portion payable to the central bank changes. Um, now let's get back to the question that I asked previously, that what did this mean for us normal consumers when the central bank um, announced another interest rate cut by another basis points? So the move comes less than a month after the central bank announced 100 base points cuts at its last MPC meeting on March 19. This now brings the repo rates down to 4.25%, its lowest since 1973, guys. So this will result in SA's prime commercial lending rates dropping from 8.75% to 7.75%. So one thing I wanted to highlight is that when the repo rate drops, like I've said, it's believed that you have a very you have a variable interest rates on your loan, um, and obviously the loan the interest portion paid to your loan changes. So since there's been a drop, um, your interest rates that is payable to the bank doesn't have to drop as well. So this is not some financial advice. But this is a good time to pump additional money into your loan if you have. But also, this is, this is actually quite a good time to keep your interest, your, your, your payments to the bank the same. And this is why. So let's say a car loan of 312,000 Rand, that's the outstanding amount on your loan, you have to pay over 72 months at an interest rate of, say, 1075 so maybe your interest, your installment is approximately 6,000 rands that month. Now, the impact of the rates cuts will reduce the installments by approximately 170 rands a month. Over the 72-month contract period, should the interest rate remain the same, the rates cuts would equate to a reduction of 12,240 in interest rates payable. So what am I saying, guys? You are effectively sp- saving 170 rands. Sorry? No, you froze for a bit. Sorry, I'll carry on. Okay. My bad. Um, I'll just pick up from where I left off. That's essentially you're paying an installment of 6,000 rand a month. And now with the interest rate cuts, you're saving about 170 rands per month. It is advisable that you pay off your debts as if the interest rate didn't change didn't change and this will ensure that you pay your loan off faster another good thing to do with the savings from the interest rate cut is to put it in an in emergency savings funds which we obviously mentioned earlier so yeah i don't know if i left anything out but like most people were asking me especially like on my whatsapp I would see what does this all mean um for my interest rate payments do i do i take that money away do i take a payment holiday i would i would say don't but this is not financial advice <laughs> i must say that now? <laughs> payment holiday 
Don't, don't take so, it. It's a trap. <laughs> it is a trap. It is a trap. Right. Um, I, I just, I was thinking about something because a thing that most people forget about is mm. inflation that's involved in that. Yeah. Um, mm. And, mm. and it's inflation is basically the, the decreasing value of the rand. Yes. Or the currency. So the, the value of the rand, one rand compared to last year, decreases by the value of the percentage inflation per year yes so when the reserve bank when the reserve bank changes the, the repo rate it's trying to manage inflation mm. it's trying to make sure that the economy is 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 able to to run at a profit mm. where when they lower interest rates most they're trying to stimulate us as the people yeah. to spend money yes because if you have if you charge lower interest on a loan, most people, which is the economic like logic, is that you'll get up another loan because you have a lower interest rate. Yeah. Um, so when you do that, what you're doing is you're spending money, you're injecting money into the economy. Um, when the when the Reserve Bank lowered the, the interest rate last year, they were trying to do that um, because the economy was stagnant. We were going through a downgrade. So people, when the economy is doing bad, people hold on to money because yeah. they don't want to lose it. Right? Yeah, true. So the money's not, there's no money circulating. And mm. I'm talking about like a big level, like people who are worth millions, mm. they hold on to a lot of money mm. because they want to reserve it. Mm. But what happens is that when millions get stuck in an account, it gets eaten away by inflation every year. Mm. So the value of it drops even further. So when the bank is like, we'll lower the interest rates, so you can get another loan, so you can put money back into the economy. And my opinion on it is that we can only lower the interest rates so far, mm. you know? Because mm -hmm. um, even in, the, in America, they, they did that. They lowered the interest rates. Mm. Um, because right now, everybody's going through a crunch. Mm. The only thing that, that the government can do is manage through interest rates, the mm. repo rate, uh, as well as coming up with deals with corporates so that they can be able to reinvest in more projects. Um, what does it mean for us as the people on mm -hmm. the ground? Mm -hmm. I, I think we haven't felt the full pinch of it until um, it starts affecting everything else. Like most of you heard about this oil crisis that's going on right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so, so this whole thing, also with that in the back foot of uh, people aren't moving around and also the people who drive cars aren't the biggest producers aren't the biggest consumers of oil we're a small percentage most most oil goes to uh, uh shipping companies it goes to um, um logistics companies around the world mm -hmm. so if businesses aren't moving around and conducting commerce then things like oil also get affected which also affects the inflation rate which again, the government tries to manage by controlling the interest rate. So unfortunately, we don't have much control over that. Mm. Um, we don't decide that um, where it stands and all these things. But what we can do mm -hmm. is be able to manage our money in such a way that we move money to a place whereby it beats inflation. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your investment or your mm. holdings, whatever mm. that you have, is able to outperform uh, the rate of inflation. Yes. Meaning that every year, yeah, the growth on your interest is anything above 4.5%. Yes. Put your money in that. Yes. That's what I'd suggest. Because there's, there's so many different things and so many people have different risk profiles.
Yes. Some people are old and can't invest with their retirement money, but some people are young and they can. So yeah. it's all user dependent. Each person is different. But my advice is find something that is better than the rate of inflation. Mm-hmm. And you should be good. Absolutely, that is that is so true. Um, I'll. That thank you so much for bringing that up. Hey everyone, that brings us to the end of our first topic, which was personal financial management. If you enjoyed this topic and you do have a question or a comment, please let us know by recording your voice message if you're listening via the Anchor app, or you can drop us a DM on our Instagram page at The Millennial Disruptor, or via Twitter using the handle at The Millennial Disruptor. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.